0: this special edition of the Xamarin Podcast with Mike James. Uh, Today we're going to be talking about all the exciting announcements
1: at WWDC 2015. Woo! Woo! Yeah, what a keynote. What a keynote. What a long keynote. Super long. And you know, at the end of it, it felt like somebody's really bad birthday party. Just, (laughs) Just trying to keep it going. Yeah, someone's curated the worst playlist of music ever, and we're going to listen to it all.
0: Yep. Well, and we'll get we'll get we'll get to what exactly we're mentioning there in a second <laughs> if you happen to miss the keynote. Uh, so this is a special edition focusing just on all the awesome announcements at WWDC 2015. If you're more of a Google guy, or you want to find out about all the awesome announcements at Google IO, we also have a special edition of the Xamarin podcast featuring that.
1: So yeah, and we'll be bringing James Wanzer Magno, who's our Android expert, onto that podcast. So you, and he was actually there at the conference, so you'll get you know firsthand. I guess it'll be yeah firsthand information about the conference and all of the exciting things for Android developers. But today we're going to be talking about the best mobile platform, which, in my opinion, is iOS. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So uh, to open up the keynote, Apple
0: decided, hey, let's let's talk about Mac, which they do commonly. So they introduced a new operating system,
1: El Capitan. El Capitan. We were convinced. And I, I mean this seriously, convinced for the first five minutes that they were going to say, yeah, that's actually not the name, we've named it something sensible.
0: The the consensus in the room of people we were watching it with was overwhelmingly, hey, this is a joke, and then they just kept rolling with it, yeah. and we were like, oh, that's actually the name of yeah. the next
1: operating system for OSX. <laughs> that moment you realize that we're going to have to try and pronounce that with a straight face. Mm. Crazy. Mm. Not a fan. Not nope. a fan. Um. But... You know, they have focused on stability for the OS, which is something that everyone has been crying out for. Because you know, with Yosemite, huge departure from Mavericks, a whole new UI, they completely broke uh, Wi-Fi. And you know, with El Capitan, they've said we're focused on stability. And from what I've seen, a lot of the people that have installed it, and you know, this is is pre-beta. So it's not meant to be lightning fast, but people are already seeing a huge performance increase through running the OS. So I'm quite excited about this installing this release on my laptop and seeing what kind of performance upgrades I get with that.
0: Yeah, I'm always okay with you know the occasional stability performance boost because it's something I use every day. So I'm always happier if it's, if it's going to be more stable and quicker to use and easier to use. And speaking of easier to use... Uh, in addition to all the stability and performance announcements that they announced uh, in the keynote for El Capitan, uh, there is also some upgrades to
1: Safari. Yeah, so you've now pinned tabs in Safari. Um, so if you've got websites that you always go to, so for example, I'm, I'm always checking out my Twitter feed. I'm also always going onto Facebook just to see if anyone's uh, messaged me and check out pictures of people's kids, um, which <laughs> seems to be the common thing at the moment. Which you'll ignore. Yep, the i i like a few of them. You know, you've got to like a few things. Um, Yeah, so Safari is naturally, with every OS X release, it's a little bit faster. Naturally. Um, They've done this interesting thing now where they're now charging people that develop uh, Safari extensions the $99 a year um, membership fee to get into the developer center. So I was having a look on Reddit, and almost straight away the guy that wrote the Reddit enhancement suite was saying, hey, guys, I'm going to have to pay $99 so I'm not sure I'm going to be able to continue this. And the community has you know, donated some money so that he can get the extension in the, uh, the Apple extension store. But I, I worry that that's actually going to you know, limit the already very limited extensions that are available to Safari.
0: Yeah, it doesn't make sense to me because when I think about Chrome, which is probably my main browser that I use, all the amazing extensions I use, and it's really easy to get into the Chrome developer ecosystem. Now Apple has made it just that much harder for people to develop extensions
1: for uh, Safari. But the reason they've done this is so that these extensions can run on iPhone and iPad. Ah, very nice. So, you know, these uh, ad-blocking extensions, they're going to run on your phone as well. So that's pretty nice. That is nice. That's pretty nice. But I'm not sure why they needed to extend that to the desktop. I think, you know, if you're writing a desktop web browser extension, you shouldn't have to pay Apple for the privilege. I get it for the phone that they want. You know, right. it's a closed ecosystem. They want to check everything, so they've got to employ some staff. And it seems like something that would have been easy. Hey, like when you upload or when you submit your
0: Chrome. Uh, I don't. Are they calling them extensions or plugins these days in Safari? I think I think they're
1: extensions. I'm not 100 sure. Yeah.
0: So when you submit it, you think what you would do is just be like, hey, only for on the desktop, and then if you want to do it for iOS, then just pay the extra money, or if you're already a member of the dev- the iOS developer. Uh, program, then you don't
1: have to pay. But I guess they decided that wasn't the way to go. Well, they have merged the developer program. So historically, you know, so I write Mac apps and I write iOS apps. Right. And so I've been paying, you know, two times $99, $198 a year to get my apps into the iOS and Mac app store. And if I wanted to do Safari extensions or, you know, building uh, Safari apps and things, I would also have had to have paid another $99. So they've taken that and they've merged it into one. So it's one flat, flat fee for all platforms, which is pretty nice of them, actually. I think that's a nice little gesture to us developers to say thank you. Just another reason to start building Mac apps. Absolutely. It's an untapped source. You know, if you've built a Xamarin iOS app, make sure you go and check out Xamarin Mac because I earn way more money on the Mac App Store with my one really poorly made app that I built in an hour and a half than I earn with all of my iOS apps. Because there's no competition on the Mac App Store, you know? The iOS App Store, 1.2 million apps. The iOS App Store, it's got like
0: 20,000. Right. And you've actually, at Evolve last year, you had a talk, uh, finished the uh, Mac app you didn't know you started. which exactly Which takes an iOS app that someone may have written and helps make it into a Mac app very easily.
1: Yeah. So that's something to check out. Most of the code you can share, you know, right. they're built on this common foundation. So, But anyway... Another really cool thing I saw uh, in the keynote when they're talking about OS 10 was this idea of natural language for searching. So you can say, show me a picture from a year ago, and it's going to show you pictures that you took, you know, 12 months ago. And when, you know, they were typing it into the into the Mac like animals. And I was like, <laughs> why is this not why is this not Siri? Why can't I just say, hey Siri, to my Mac? Show me pictures from a year ago. They've got the search capabilities now in the OS, but I'm going to have to type that. Ugh, ugh. So I'm hoping that you know, in the next few weeks, they just kind of quietly push Siri into that, and that it wasn't, you know, hey, we've got Siri working, because it wasn't maybe ready for demo, or whatever. I just hope, I want Siri on my Mac. Everyone else is doing it. You know, Cortana for Windows is amazing. Give me Siri on my Mac.
0: And speaking of Siri, on Apple also announced iOS nine, big surprise on the naming there. Uh, yeah, didn't see that coming. I
1: thought they were gonna go for iOS ten. But
0: I thought so too. Um, and speaking of Siri, they've also Apple has also made a number of upgrades to
1: Siri on iOS. So yeah, Siri is more proactive in in your daily life. It knows more about you, or she knows more about you. Although in England, Siri is actually a man. So I'm not sure I can really say Siri is a she, because it, I think it depends on where you are. It does. It depends so, on your region. So we'll say she just for now to make things easy. But So she she's more proactive in, in being able to provide you with information that's useful to you. So, for example, I've got a pretty set routine. First thing in the morning, I'm going to open up Alien Blue, and I'm going to check the, the Reddit news. Right. I want to see what's going on in the world. And Siri, with iOS 9, is going to be able to say, well, Every single morning Mike James wakes up 7:30 pulls up his iPhone and he's straight into Alien Blue so why don't we show him Alien Blue on the home screen so that he can just launch straight into the app a few less taps a few less clicks so that's pretty nice I like that and it's got other things like you know if you plug your headphones in at certain times in the day uh, it's going to play you different playlists, it's going to bring up the playlist that it thinks you're going to listen to. So if you go to the gym at 5pm every single day, you plug your headphones in at 5pm on a Wednesday, it's going to bring up your gym playlist. Mm -hmm. So it's learning more about you. And it's doing this all on the device. So unlike the Google approach, which is we're going to push all of your data into the cloud, we're going to mine it for every little bit of information we can get out of it. And we're going to, you know, we're not going to sell that to advertisers, but we're going to use that information to sell advertising. I think that's a key distinction. People often say that, like, Google's selling your data. They're not. They keep it. But they're selling the information that they gather from your data. Right. Um, So, yeah, this is all on your device. Apple doesn't care about what you're you're doing and the kind of apps you're looking at in terms of we're going to data mine that. They just want to build a better experience. So... They were were very keen in this keynote to draw that distinction between their philosophy and their competitors' philosophy about how these personal assistants should work. Um, So I'm pretty excited about the improvements with Siri, Um, especially now that, you know, Apple Watch, it it came out for delivery. I was in Boston, so I was, you know, 8,000 miles away from the front door to answer that. So they're going to re-deliver that. But as soon as, you know, I've got the Apple Watch attached to my wrist, I'm gonna be using Siri all of the time, so these improvements are, uh, yeah, pretty exciting. And
0: also really exciting in iOS nine is developers can now tap into Siri a little
1: bit. Oh yeah, oh yeah. So they've got this um, this search API. Well, there's three. I think there's three areas uh, for the search. You've got uh, NS user activities, which has been like this handoff. So if you've wanted to do, you know, you start an email on your iPhone and you get within reach of your Mac, it's going to say in the doc, hey, do you want to continue with this email? Well, this now extends um, into the kind of search realm um, so that you can search within these activities as well. So that's pretty nice. Um, But they also give you a search API. And that search API allows you to dig deep within your application. So, for example, I'm writing a beer app at the moment. It's called Beer Drinking. It will be coming to the app store soon. Um, And this queries a database of beers. It's like 8,000 beers. It may be even more now. Um, And, you you know, you don't want to have to open up my app to search for this beer. What I want to be able to do is say, hey, Siri, tell me about Stella Artois, and for it to then load my app with the result available to me. And that's exactly what Apple have allowed. So this deep linking straight into your app. Now, there's one really important thing with this is that they're going to prioritize kind of app rankings on what app do they launch based on how often do you use that app. So you know, if I've got a competitor installed to so my beer drinking and I'm using that more, it's going to load the competitor. And also, how long does the app take to load? So if it's going to take like 30 seconds to go and fetch that data and display it in the app, when your competitor can do it in five, even if you're not using the competitor app as much, Apple's going to deem that it's a nicer experience because it's going to load quicker, so they're going to show you competitor. So you need to make sure, first of all, that your users are actually using your app. So you need to get them engaged. And secondly, you need to make sure that your app is really performant. So I feel sorry for the guys that are doing web apps. Because not only are they going to struggle to get access to these APIs, but even if they do, you know they're not going to have that performance in order to make sure that they're ranked highly on the uh, on Apple's ranking for who whose apps to display this information in.
0: And that's a key way to differentiate your app from maybe some other apps that maybe there's not that much difference between you and your competitor. Well, if 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 your app is if your app has this this uh, built-in deep linking compatibility and the other app doesn't, your app will win out. Uh, yep. So that even stuff like that, like little, simple, tiny nuances can make a big difference. Yeah, because
1: your app doesn't even need to be installed for Apple to go and find that information. Right. So it, it's really exciting. So, you know, my beer drinking app, 100% going to have those new APIs um, because, you know, I'm going to be going against some pretty big competitors um, within that, you know, marketplace. There's already a very well-known beer tracking application that does social. And, you know, I'm going to compete against that. So... The difference with my app, it's not going to be a web view, so it's going to be faster. It's going to use all of the iOS APIs that make apps amazing. And it's going to have iOS 9 compatibility on day one. Um, So very excited about this. Very excited.
0: Very nice. So after Siri, uh, Apple moved on to talk a little bit about Apple Pay, which us in the United States (gasps) have been loving for a long time. But you must be very excited because they've now brought
1: Apple Pay to the I UK. I can tell you how excited I am yeah. about this. Yeah. So I, so in the UK, we've had these terminals where I can just wave my, my debit card across it and it's going to pay to a maximum of, I think, either 20 or £30. Pounds. And I, I use that all the time. So whenever I land at Gatwick Airport, which is quite a lot, I'll get the train home and there's a Cornish pasty stand. And if you don't know what a Cornish pasty is, you're missing out. It's the world's most amazing food. But they sell these in the stand, and they have these little terminals where I can just wave my card over and pay. And I always use it. So I'll go and buy a pasty and a bottle of water, and whoop, I wave my card over, and I've paid, and I can walk off. I've not had to type in a PIN number. I've not had to sign anything. I've not had to use cash. It's amazing. I love it. My, my local grocery store has this same thing. I go in there. My groceries for the day are always under £30. I just wave my card, and I'm out of the shop. It's so nice. And to have this on my phone, and now coming with a watch as well, when I get the watch next week, mm. oh, it's going to be amazing. And it seems that a lot of UK banks have jumped on this as well. There's only a few that haven't, and I'm very excited to, to hear that HSBC, which is the bank that I use, have embraced this. And that surprised me, because their mobile app is truly, truly the worst app that I have installed on my phone. Um, but they've managed to, you know, get Apple Pay to work. So thank you very much, HSBC. And thank you, Apple, for rolling that out in the UK.
0: So if you're in the UK, you're definitely really excited that Apple Pay has been rolled out. Uh, If you live in a big city, maybe you've been uh, unhappy with Apple Maps in the past because uh, traditionally there have been no public transit uh, (laughs) directions within your app, which, if you live in a city like Boston, could be kind of important for getting around. That's kind of a main mode of transportation. Uh, So Apple and uh, the Keynote... Earlier this week, announced that Apple Maps will now have support um, for public transit, uh, and a number of cities. I think it was over three hundred in China alone. There was three hundred cities. Yeah, they
1: really went on the on, on heavy on the China. Uh, right, they cities, did, not they? Uh, and
0: there was there was many cities in the United States and and in Europe as well. So it wasn't just exclusive to China, but they certainly had um, many over three hundred. I didn't even realize there's that many cities with public transit. Um, I don't even think there's that many with public transit in the United States. Brilliant. You're definitely showing that you're an American there. Yes, yes, total American move. There's countries outside of the U.S., <laughs> but, yep, what is yep. this? So um, that, that's pretty cool, though, because uh, traditionally I've been using Google Maps, and I
1: might have to give Apple Maps a try now. I'll give it another try. Yeah. The the, the, pro- the biggest problem I have with Apple Maps is even now when I type in a business address, it sends me to the wrong place. That's right. Um, so Apple Maps has been moved into that folder that every iOS user has got that contains Newsstand, Game Center. It's just in there. I never use it anymore. Um, I use Google Maps. But this is a nice addition for sure. Um, and I may, I may just have to have a look at it with because of the public transit stuff. Um, for example, when I'm going around St Pancras in London, the underground station is absolutely huge because when they built it, they actually merged multiple underground stations together into this giant mega station. So it's very easy to get lost there and you'll often end up walking into the wrong entrance and a lot of it's one way. So once you're in there, you can walk for hours before you get to the platform of choice. So with Apple Maps, they've kind of, fix that with transit data. So if you say, like, I want to get on the circle line or whatever, it's going to be able to point you to the nearest entrance that's going to get you to that platform quickest. So I really like that. That's going to be awesome.
0: Yes. And speaking of maybe those apps that we all throw into that folder and then move to the the last screen on our phone um, or the last page on our phone, (laughs) uh, Newsstand, everyone was really excited when it came out and then we were like, oh, that's still on my phone?
1: Yeah.
0: Um, But... With iOS nine,
1: Apple has introduced a new app called News. Yeah, so they've they've replaced it. So everyone got excited It was like, "Goodbye, newsstand! Oh, hello, News!" <laughs> um, so so let's hope with you know the rebranding that that this can work. Um, it seems that they've kind of given up on you know because they had that iBooks Creator app, didn't they? Where they you did. did. And no one, apart from a couple of people that released a few books, I didn't really see a huge amount of take up on that. Um, because it's a big ask you know, for these publishing houses to switch from their Adobe tools, which they know and love, to iBooks Creator, or whatever Apple called it at the time. Um, right. I'll, I'll be intrigued to see how this one plays out. I, don't, I can't foresee this being a huge hit. I think it's going to be another app that unless they get the content in there from day one, so that when I get iOS 9 installed on my phone, I load it up and it's full of amazing content, if that doesn't happen on day one, I'm going to move it to the last page in that folder, and I'm never going to look at it again. So they've got a really short time frame to make sure that this app's a success. And if they don't manage that, then it's going to be another, you know, newsstand.
0: Right, and I think one thing that's important also is maybe in newsstand. The publications that were in newsstand were, for the most part, chosen by Apple to be a newsstand. If news allows me to maybe import an RSS feed, that would be huge. Yeah, absolutely. Because if I'm limited to the only the publishers or the media outlets that Apple cares about and thinks I should care about or partners with, uh, then I probably won't end up using it that much. But it did actually look like a good app. So if I could throw in my RSS feeds and use it maybe as
1: more of an RSS reader, I might
0: be tempted to use it more.
1: Yeah, I mean, if it, if it pulls in content, then, you know, it may replace Reddit in the morning for me. Um, So, uh, yeah, so that's Newsstand. Um, One of the more exciting things, um, and something that Miguel, our CTO, actually hinted at at Evolve, our conference, in October. He gave a talk on advanced iOS and Mac, and he mentions right at the end about size classes. He says, you know, size classes are very interesting. Apple haven't announced too much about them yet, but you should definitely go and learn about size classes. And if you took that advice, then you're already ready for this multi, multitasking world for iPad. So the idea is you've got this huge screen. You want to load multiple apps at the same time. Well, you can now do that. It's kind of like you know, the split view um, with uh, Windows 8. Windows 8 has been doing this for years, but it's now on iPad as well. Um, but you have to have your app built with storyboards, with size classes. Um, you, it's an opt-out, so if your app already, you know, you, you, your app is a full-screen app, you absolutely don't want to share the screen, or your app is, you know, really CPU intensive, it's doing something really advanced, and you're worried about performance of running split view on a, on a device running with another app that's doing a similar thing, then you can say, hey, Apple, you know, I appreciate you want to do split view, but my app's too important for that, or my app isn't designed for that. I'm going to need every single pixel on the screen, please. So you can opt out. Um, but I, I wouldn't suggest op- opting out unless you absolutely have to because I think a lot of users are going to come to expect this to just work. And if your app doesn't, I think you know, you're know you probably going to look for some pretty bad reviews uh, in the app store. Of course, when it comes to gaming, you've got to go full screen. You can't split your game. But you know, my beer drinking—that's going to be split screen because there's no reason why that shouldn't be. Um, and I like that you can do multi-touch on both views as well. That's yes. pretty neat.
0: Um, I think it, uh, like one particular use case that I think of was like if I had this when I was in college, things would have been totally different because I could have purchased uh, a top-of-the-line iPad and I could have used multitasking. On one side, I could have had my textbook uh, loaded up in some sort of uh, some sort of book app, and then I could have had uh, my notes with something like Evernote on the right-hand side, so I could do both at the same time on the same device, yeah. which would have been huge.
1: Well, it kind of is bringing it into an underpowered laptop. Right. It, it's kind of... Because my mum, for example, uses an iPad as a laptop. So same with mom, my yeah. mum. My yeah. She, She's got a laptop. It sits in the office. It's never used. It's never used. And She just loves the iPad. And I think this is a perfect example of how we're going to see... iOS becoming more advanced, and I I don't think we're ever going to get to a position where you know, because people worry about iOS and OS ten being merged. I don't think we're going to get there, at least not for the longest time, because I can't foresee anyone writing apps on an iPad. That's just not going to happen. Yeah. Um, But I think for the day-to-day people that they don't. I mean, we're different. We're programmers. We love technology, but a lot of people don't. A lot of people don't care for it like we do. And they just want things to work in computers. You know, there's a lot that can go wrong with them, um, whereas with an iPad, it's, it's pretty, you know, idiot-proof, um, and people want that. So yeah, I think this is huge. I think people are going to love it, um, and you're going to want to make sure that you know when you rebuild for iOS nine that you haven't turned that off. As I say, it's opt out; it's not opt in. Um, so by default, it's going to be turned on. So you, if you don't want it, make sure you've opted out. Um, and if you do want it, and you've built your apps with Zips or the constraints style of uh, laying out your controls, you're gonna need to update to Auto Layouts. Um, we do have some. We do have a video on evolve.zamarin.com. We'll post a, a link in the show notes. Um, but that's by Adrian Stevens, and he goes through how to do dynamic layouts with iOS. So if you know nothing of Auto Layouts, you only know the constraints-based. Layout system for iOS, then we can get you up to speed on how to make sure your app is ready for iOS nine and split views. And when, and when we talk about iOS nine, it's worth noting that you know this was released, you know, just this week. It's Super early days, and we always recommend whenever we release, and what well, whenever Apple or Google release a new version of the OS, before you go ahead and update. All your tools and start trying to build your apps for these new platforms because let's not forget no user out there in the wild has got this software yet before you update it make sure you go to releases.xamarin.com just to check what the current state is because what we don't want you to do is go and update to iOS 9 and El Capitan and find out that there's things that aren't working so give us a few days we're going to make sure that everything's great and then we're going to post an update into releases.xamarin.com to let you know the current state uh, of compatibility.
0: Awesome. Uh, moving on to the next section of the keynote, a uh, technology that not only uh, people who are really techie are, are into, it's definitely a mainstream product, the Apple Watch. Yeah. Woo! Um, so big news, uh, watchOS. Uh, yeah, watchOS.
1: WatchOS watch 2. That's right. It's not just one. They've already had WatchOS 1. We've got WatchOS 2, That's right. which uh, allows for apps to run on the devices. Now, what shocks me is that no, no rumor company ever picked that up. <laughs> there was no speculation on that whatsoever. <laughs> uh, no, we, we were all expecting that. Everyone yeah. knew that was coming. Um, but what's interesting is that they haven't dropped support for the existing you know, WatchKit version 1 uh, app extension style of apps. Um, which always felt a bit kind of mm, not, not the nicest experience as a developer, that I've got to run all my app logic on the phone, and then my watch is running the UI. That seems a bit strange. I was like, just let me run it all on the, yeah. all on the watch. So they've done that, which is awesome. And they've opened up a whole load of APIs for us. So I was, they put up this screen, and they showed all of the APIs. And I've looked through the docs, and I can't find information about all of the APIs <laughs> on this on the screen that they said were available. So I'm wondering if, you know, the first version of the OS, because this is pre-alpha. I mean, this is right. really, really early, uh, to the point where, like, people here at Xamarin have installed it on their watches, and it took six to eight hours to get installed. So I wouldn't go and update right now, uh, but I don't think they've added all of the APIs no. that they've said that they would um, on, on the keynote, because one of the things that I was like, what, was animations. Right. So animations on Apple Watch at the moment, you just got to create some animated images and go through those, like, okay, we'll start the animation and we'll let the images just roll through. It's a GIF. It's, right. it's pretty nasty, because iOS has got some wonderful animation APIs, and they're bringing animations... In the APIs available to us on the Apple Watch, so we can make apps that look just as beautiful as the Apple ones. Um, they've also added. Uh, they've also added uh, the ability to do things like uh, playing videos and audio within your own APIs. You get access to all of the sensors for health care. Um, so if you've got a health tracking app, you know maybe My Fitness pal will jump on this, so that you know not only can I track what I'm eating, but it's going to get all my heart rate data and stuff straight into their app.
0: Or my step counter.
1: Or my step counter, naturally. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll definitely be doing an update on that. because That's been downloaded probably about 40,000 times that's now. That's insane. It is insane. I should probably get some marketing on that. Probably. Yeah. yeah. Um, and naturally, HomeKit as well. So uh, HomeKit is uh, on, on the uh, Apple Watch, so I can say to my Apple Watch, hey, can you turn off the lights in my bedroom? And it knows because I've named my bedroom. Bedroom. And it knows that Seems what the light is. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so it'll just go ahead and turn the lights off. So this is really cool. I'm I'm pretty excited about this. Um, you just mentioned HomeKit.
0: Uh, Apple made some pretty cool announcements to HomeKit at WWDC. I was afraid they'd forgotten about it because they have talked about it a decent bit, but, like, it's never been at the forefront of all the
1: cool stuff. But it couldn't ever have been on the forefront. It was, you know, the chicken and egg situation. Right. They had to announce it to developers and announce it to product manufacturers because this isn't, this isn't something that's just on your phone. This is a specification that's running on the devices that communicate with the cloud now. Because before... It would communicate with your Apple TV as your hub. So I could use HomeKit in a hypothetical world if I had the devices that supported it. I could use HomeKit anywhere in the world if I had an Apple TV at home. One of the key things that they've changed here is that I don't need that Apple TV as a hub anymore. The devices are now going to talk directly to iCloud. So my lights with their little hub will talk directly to iCloud, and I can tell them to turn off anywhere in the world. So that's pretty cool. That's really cool. Yeah. Um, A lot of people it was just a few weeks ago we were tweeting and getting writing blog posts as they do about the fact that apple tv has now become the home hub well that was actually announced you know a year ago it's mm-hmm. just no one paid attention to the details right um
0: someone just got around to reading that doc yeah someone read the <laughs> doc like
1: have you seen this this is new and i was like no this is not new this is this is how it's always been um, what's new is that you don't need that apple tv there um But they've added a whole new load of uh, categories, so you can now do window shades, you can do sensors and security systems. Um, I'm super excited about HomeKit. I can't stop talking about it. Um, I want everything, as I've said before, I want everything in my house to be automated. Um, I'm not sure if you've seen Wallace and Gromit. You probably don't have that over here. I've never heard of that. (laughs) You should go and Google Wallace and Gromit, um, because there is a scene where he's getting out of bed, And he just pulls a lever and, like, the floor opens. He falls into the... uh, Oh, I've seen this. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I know where this is. So he falls into the dining room, onto his chair, and then, like, the machines make his breakfast and serve it to him. I want that. I want to get out... I I don't even want to get out of bed. I want to say, hey, Siri, make me breakfast. And it just does it. Automate all of the things. Um, Talking of kind of hmm. being a bit lazy, um, CarPlay. If you're driving everywhere... (laughs) (laughs) Because um, I walk everywhere. I don't drive. I drive everywhere. Yeah. Well, you know, you live somewhere where there's no sidewalks.
0: Well, that's true. Um, I live in Alabama. If you haven't been listening to the Xamarin podcast, uh, not exactly uh, great if you don't have a car.
1: Yeah, exactly. Whereas you know, I can get everywhere uh, just by foot. That's um, right. But if if you know if you own a car with CarPlay, um, I mean, I I had forgotten about CarPlay to be honest, but it's yeah. because it's definitely not a domain that is my thing. Um, I'm not sure what cars they've got now because when they announced it, it was like Ferrari, and I was like, "Yeah, I'll buy one, I'll buy one <laughs>
0: yeah. next week." Yeah, you're because like, because they they wouldn't show that until the end after they've already showed off all the awesome things Car CarPlay could do, and you're like, "Oh, I want this in my car," and yeah. then they'll show you like the supported uh, models, and it's like Ferrari, and you're like, "Oh," but uh, I'm
1: I'm sure they've expanded it to include some more uh, affordable options. Yeah, you know, I'm sure they have, and I'm pretty sure that at some point we're gonna get kind of OEM. CarPlay devices right. that we can just throw into our existing cars. Um, but it'll be more interesting to see how that works with things like the new features such as set up heating and cooling. So if you live in Alabama, which is going to be super hot all of the time, right. um, then you don't want to just jump in your car and drive off. You're going to need to tell your car, hey, I'm going to be driving in 10 minutes. Um, you need to turn the heating on. Uh, you need to, talk to turn the AC on so that when I get in the car, I don't just you know, perish because it's so hot. Um, so that's pretty interesting. And especially with Siri getting more intelligent, I wonder if it's going to be able to build up a profile about how you use your car and then get your car to do things for you. So if it's like, well, you know, it's five degrees out today, uh, C, so that's cold. Five (laughs) degrees C. Um, and Pierce normally drives to work at 7 a.m., I'm it's not a, up that early. Well, <laughs> you know, maybe you are. Maybe you are. Hypothetically. You know, it's five well, degrees. In a hypothetical scenario, Super yes. cold outside. It's first thing in the morning. It's a weekday. Pierce normally gets in the car and drives off, and he would normally turn heating on. Right. So why don't we do that for him? So we're going to turn the car on five minutes before he gets in it, and we're going to turn the heating on and get it up to a nice, roasty temperature that he feels comfortable at. So that's pretty cool. I hope that happens. We'll see. They've, they've definitely got the tech to yeah, do it. Yeah, they're
0: building the groundwork
1: for yeah. the possibility, at least, of something like that in the,
0: in the very near future, like within three or four years, I would say. I think even I think maybe next year we're going to see that. We'll see. Amazing. They've, they've got the tech now. Um, I just need my car to support it. Yeah. You just <laughs> need a Ferrari. So, uh, Miguel, if you're listening to this, we just need to expense a car uh, as, yeah. a, as a device for QA, and we'll use it some <laughs> with evangelism as well. Uh, shipping it around the world for our talks may get a little expensive, but yeah, eh.
1: yeah I, I could, I could do that—a demo car, a demo car, yes, Ferrari. That's yeah. right, uh, top of the line. Naturally, naturally. Uh, so, Apple Music. Yes. You, you can't have missed the fact that they announced Apple Music because it felt like eternity. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, what a what an ending to a, a fantastic keynote. I mean. Somebody should have their wrist slaps for that. That is pretty dire, I'd say. They had someone come on that... He, he said jokes that I don't think he realised were jokes because the audience started laughing and, like, you could see any thought processes just evaporating from his mind. And then he just stuck to the, the auto cue in front of him and just started reading it. Um, yeah, less than ideal, less than ideal. And then we got, you know... Ed. Is it Ed or Eddie? I was um, something like that. Yeah, he's he just a really nice guy, and I kind of feel sorry for him in all of this. Yeah, I feel like, I feel like he was put in a bad spot. Yeah, he definitely drew the short straw on that. You know? <laughs> he had to go off on stage, and he had to literally play his like top ten tracks from iTunes. I thought at one point we were going to hear every song from the iTunes library. Um, but for those of you who don't know what Apple Music is, it's a music streaming service. Um, so, it's, it's basically Spotify or Audio, right. um, one of the you know, cloud streaming companies that ev- everyone's already using this stuff. Um, so, it'll be interesting to see the adoption rates. I think a lot of people are going to go, Well, I'm already tied into the Apple ecosystem. It makes sense for me to cancel my subscription to Spotify and rock, up, rock onto the Apple system. Um, so interesting times. I certainly wouldn't want to run a business where Apple then jumped into that market. Um, <laughs> I, I, if that happened, I would feel like I, I would regret any offer that any previous companies had made to buy me. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, but I mean, this wasn't. This was something that was pretty
0: anticipated. There had been a lot of stuff said in the yeah. in the tech outlets coming up to that, and I, I mean i know a lot of people do use services like spotify and RDO and things like that and i love and use services like Spotify and artify audio artify i've made it i made it a spotify and uh, i made something new uh i let you in on my next product idea Woo. um a trademark product idea yeah um but, uh, yeah, I mean, there's tons of people already using these services, but like you said, it's already on your phone. You don't have to download anything new yep. and especially for maybe like my mom, my mom doesn't know how to use Spotify. She uses the music app. She launches the music app and plays her song. So if it's already built right into that, I could see how she would end up using that.
1: Yeah, no, I, I can see loads of people and they're giving it away for three months to start with. So they're going to lock so many people into it. They, because people like my mum, they're going to have it on their phone they're going to be like, oh, this is great. I can listen to any music. And when those three months run up and they're going to say, it's only like £5 or £6, whatever the dollar to pound ratio is. Knowing Apple, because they said it's going to be $10, it's going to be £10 they just don't <laughs> do conversions. Um, they'll say it's £10 a month and my mum's going to go, yeah, that's fine. You know, I've already got all this amazing music. I'm going to continue with this service. I like it. Um, it'll be very interesting to see what the European Union do about this. Because I, I wonder if this kind of encroaches on a little bit of anti-competitive because they've got, as I said, like billions of users out there with these devices and they're now competing directly against these smaller companies and they're giving it away for free for three months. Right. So that would be interesting. But the main point of the Apple Music release, I think, was to cover the fact that, that somebody messed up and couldn't get Apple TV released. It certainly
0: seemed that they had scrambled to put something together at the last minute. Oh, yeah. And after the keynote, some things broke the next day and uh, exciting news on the Apple TV front. Well, it's still rumor. Still rumor. Still until, rumor.
1: Until, until Tim Cook comes out on stage and says it, I don't believe anything. But, you know, someone may have accidentally leaked a little bit of information about the Apple TV. Um, in terms of provisioning profiles and how many devices you can have registered to your Apple developer account, you can now register 100 Apple TVs. Now, when I saw this, I was like, well, hang on. Why would I need to register an Apple TV to my developer account? I can't write apps for Apple TV. Now, somebody tweeted me saying that this has always been the case, um, but I've never seen that. So no, I've never seen maybe that if you know, you can clarify that for me. Um, but my general feeling, and most people agree with this, is that the Apple TV needs apps. Apple have always said that it's been kind of like they're nice little experiment. But I think it's safe to say the experiment has been a success. People like their Apple TV and it needs to do more. I want apps on the Apple TV. I want to be able to, you know, play games with my iPhone or my iPad as a controller on the Apple TV. I've got an Xbox One and I'll be honest with you, because the Xbox One is so much more powerful and offers such a a better experience in terms of the TV kind of browsing content, I use that now for everything. Apart from the content that I bought on iTunes that I can't get on the Xbox One. Um, So I think Apple really needs to up their game on this and I think I think they may have accidentally announced that they're going to be doing that and you know music Apple Music was just you know 20 minutes of dire presentation to cover the fact that they wanted to show us some really cool stuff with Apple TV. So but as I say until Tim Cook or someone from Apple officially announces it that is all rumour I don't know anything more than what anybody else in the rumor Mills knows um, I'm just you know speculating and hoping
0: So that was it for the WWDC 2015. Uh, announcement. The keynote was, I, I mean, besides the music part, I found it very
1: enjoyable. Oh, loved it. Absolutely loved it. Right.
0: And I even thought the music part was fine. It just maybe went on for a little too
1: long. Maybe maybe I'm too old. I just didn't enjoy any of the music.
0: Well, it was just because you didn't like Drake. Yeah. I don't
1: uh, even
0: know who he is. Well, see, we were me, uh, uh, James Montemagno, and Mike James all watched it together in the same room. And me and James Montemagno are both big Drake fans. We're both big hip-hop and rap fans. Um, Mike, on the other hand, is not. And he had no idea who Drake was. Yeah. Um, and I mean, Drake was even wearing like a special Apple vest. Oh, like liked, he was
1: swagged out. I liked his jacket. I just I, I just I don't know who he is. I mean, they may as well have just got a cat to come on stage, and you know, I was just, equal amounts of excitement for a cat that I would have had for him. Regardless, me 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 and James were really excited about that. But it,
0: I mean, it was a, it was a really cool announcement uh, all in all. Uh, when you take a step back. Yeah.
1: No. No. Cool announcement, amazing keynote. Yes. Absolutely amazing. And iOS 9, I really can't wait to get my hands on this. Um, You know, El Capitan, a bit of a strange name, but actually is what we've all been asking for in terms of the OS. We want stability improvements because OS X is a great OS. Right. There's no doubt about that. But with Yosemite, we we saw a couple of performance hits. We saw some bugs and regressions that really shouldn't have been there. And Apple is committed to fixing those. So that's exactly what we wanted to hear as customers and I'm sure there's going to be people that go, but there's no new features. And it's like, well, you know what? Not every OS needs a new feature because Apple released so quickly that we can kind of see this as just a service pack. Right. We've already mentioned that. Nice. Um, so if you... service pack. So if you... Uh, So that's it for this podcast. But if you've got suggestions, and we do encourage you to tweet at us, um, you can get in touch with me at mikecodes.net. New Twitter handle. New Twitter handle, naturally. I'm making a new blog, but we'll talk about that later. (laughs) May have have plugged it a bit too early. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Or at
0: Pierce Bogan, uh, P-I-E-R-C-E-B-O-G-G-A-N, because some people think my name is Pierce, like Pierce Morgan. Uh, so sometimes I feel the need to clarify that. I'm sure
1: we can just put a link in the in the show notes. Well, that seems like the natural thing to do. Yeah, so but you should just you know tweet at us your suggestions. Um, someone's already tweeted Internet of Things and that is 100% on the schedule to be talked about um, because that's uh, so, you know, I'll ramble about Homekit for days. But get me on Internet of Things and I can talk for weeks. Um, very excited about some of the stuff that we can do with dotnet. And uh, machine to machine is all very exciting. That's right.
0: So tweet at mikecodes.net or at Pierce Bogan, and uh, we'll be sure to take your feedback into consideration for a future episode of the Xamarin Podcast. Perfect. Woo! Well, thank you for joining us on this special edition, WWDC special edition of the Xamarin Podcast. Until next time, I'm Pierce Bogan. And I'm Mike James. Thanks for joining us.